welcome back to the Metalheads podcast. Um, I'm your host Faye and today we will be looking at Metal Academia. My guest today is David Burke, a PhD student studying metal. I mean, how cool is that? He's also a promoter, a musician, and he's editor for Astral Noise, Zine, so go and check those out. Um, Really nice guy. We had a really interesting chat about metal, how it relates to the occult and horror themes, and we also uh, dived into the lyrical content of metal music compared to non-metal music. Super interesting, and we had a real laugh at the end with my uh, recurring question, in gift or curse. So, like and share and tweet and all that good stuff and I hope you enjoy. Today I am joined by David Burke. Would you like to introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay sure. Um, So I study a PhD at uh, Bath Spy University in sunny England um, where I I'm interested in the sort of underlying themes of metal music and culture. Um, And I approach this through a variety of kind of sociological methods. Um, So I've got four empirical evidence bases in my PhD. Um, But then once I've assembled those, I I look at metal from a, a philosophical and increasingly psychoanalytic points of view um, with lots of reference to uh, things like existentialism, um, uh, Hegelian thoughts, um, and, uh, and and postmodernist analysis as well, which I think we're going to get into in a minute. So I, I, do, I do a sort of mix of theory and sociology studying around heavy metal. I think that's fascinating that you can, like, I love that you study metal and like go into depth about it. I think that's really cool. Well, if I would, if I could maybe redo my time at uni or Mm. go on to do something like that, I think I would, um, because I did psychology, but I think what you do is super interesting. But it's not just that you do, you're an editor for Astral Noise. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I have, I have other bits and pieces. So I, 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 edit uh, a zine, um, Astral Noise. Um, I'm in a few bands that occasionally do things, mostly very local. Um, I promote as well. I I run a festival in Southampton, which is coming up to its third run round this year. Oh, which festival? What's it called? It's called Abyssal Festival, and uh, it's doom and slow metal focused. And we've got people like Famine and Bismuth and the Grey Tomb and Doom band playing so far, and we've got a few more, uh, got a few more people on the lineup to announce as well. It's a lovely event. Um, we we really enjoy running it. So uh, so yeah, I, I I'm I'm round and about in metal, but the kind of focus of my work is writing for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you've got you've got the whole spectrum. You're a musician promoting and you're studying it. That's amazing. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> no, I mean, um, but, but it's but it but it's uh, uh, it um, for a long time. I was just studying it, mm-hmm. right? When when I was at university doing my my undergraduate, I did I did history, and I wrote about doom metal um, in my dissertation, and then again for my master's dissertation. Uh, but I wasn't really in the scene at that point. Like I was, I was, I 
I had never, well, I had been in a band at school, but I wasn't properly getting out there, going to gigs really frequently and so on. I didn't really get into that until sort of four or five years ago. And I've been sort of very eagerly trying to push into the scene since then. I love that it's your entire life. That's, like, that's <laughs> I love that. That's dedication. That's amazing. Well, it, well you say, the, the thing about it is the more it's become my life in, in totalis, the more I've realised that there are other sides to life, mm-hmm. but uh, but at the same uh, but at the same time, and I think this is something that I carry through my thought a lot, is that metal uh, persists even even when you have other things to be getting on with in your life. That this this thing draws you. It's not that it's constantly there, but it draws you back. I think, or or there's a kind of rep- there's a kind of repetitiveness to it. Mm. Um, and and that's obviously played out in the actual music itself, where there's lots of repetition in the riffs and in and in the albums. You know, you've got so many bands that just release the same basic, basically releasing the same record over and over again. Um, and so, so I, uh, yeah, as I've as I've investigated further into this music, I've, I mean, because when you study anything, you find things that you don't like. Right. Yeah. You 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 uh, you know you get too close to the object. Suddenly you can see every blemish, every issue. Right. But but in that process, although I've looked at metal very hard and found lots of things. Oh, this is not. You know, this isn't doesn't scan with the idealism that I had when I was getting into the PhD, for instance, or or when I was a young teenage fan. Um, but at the same time, it it it's hooked me. Mm-hmm. I'll never leave. Even I, I might look outside sometimes for a minute, but I'm su- I'm suckered in now. <laughs> I know the feeling like it's yeah, you're exactly right. I have days where I'm like, right, I I don't feel like listening to metal today. Like it's part of my job. Like I just I listen to metal all the time and I love it, but I want something else. It's like a palate cleanser. And then after that day, I'm like, I miss metal. <laughs> and I just put on the most brutal thing that I can find so you're right it it, it does it draws you back in again now I've had the honor of reading an article that you're working on well thank Um, you very firstly thank you very much I was just saying you know it's it's hard enough to get the uh people who are meant to be reviewing it to read it so you know it's it so it's very much appreciated oh I read it on my lunch break at work yesterday oh that's that's thank you (laughs) <laughs> oh, you very well. Thank you. It was very, very interesting. And um, obviously, it's not published or anything yet, so I'm not going to like directly quote it. But I've, I, you know, I've made some notes on it, and I picked out a couple of interesting things that I'd maybe like you to expand on a little bit. Great. Um, let, let, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So you, you start in the start of your article. You mentioned that heavy music started as an uh, inversion of um, previous popular cultures. Mm. Could mm. you explain that? Right. Okay. So when so heavy metal takes one one thing that i think heavy metal does and this is something that other scholars talk about as well is that it it is a negation right it it takes everything that is meant to be good and flips it upside down so you see that very uh, and and this is i think most obvious through things like the upside down cross the satanism um which is not a universal constant when you go to uh, when you go to countries where christianity is not the dominant religion metal changes and it's it's often less anti-christian more anti let's say in nepal it's anti-hindu mm-hmm. there 
because but because it's about for a lot of people who are in making metal and, and listening to it there's this act of whatever you say i'm going to do the opposite mm-hmm. and 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 so you've got all of this very upbeat music that's being released in the in the late 60s now obviously some of this does have you know real substance and critique of its own in in parts but a lot of it is very uh, is very happy the f- so the first thing that made me realize that i could study metal that i could take this seriously was a documentary on the bbc in about 2009 when i was like 15 and it and there was a little bit in there where all of these now, some of them now dead metal musicians like John Lord from Deep Purple, Rob Halford from Judas Priest. I think I think Ozzy or Bill Ward from Black Sabbath also say something to the effect of that the uh, going to San Francisco with flowers in their hair, which was, you know, a very popular song of that moment. It just didn't fit with living in the Midlands or mm-hmm. really living anywhere in England, you know, like a. But by the time the winter rolls around, I think, as John Lord points out, you know, it's not very it's not good to be wearing a caftan and sandals when <laughs> the temperature when the temperature's plummeting. But I think the crucial thing here, right, is that metal is not just it, it, yes, it's uh, inverting. It's taking symbols and flipping them upside down. But my contention in this article is that that happens as a response to something that's happening historically in the 1950s and 60s and really something that emerges after the end of the second world war mm. which is which is a new kind of capitalism that has that up to that point had not been the center of how uh, the global economy worked but from especially from the 1960s onwards we now live in a in an economic condition called postmodernity yeah. And and one of the things about postmodernity is that basically the products that are available and the messaging of dominant ideology is overall positive. Even companies and even governments and so on promote the ideology of love. Mm-hmm. Let's put it let's put it like that. Love and happiness and and good vibes. Rainbows yeah? and puppies and kittens. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. and I think and 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 whether you're talking a whether you're phrasing that in a in a in a flippant way, oh, it's going to be happy and lovely forever, or whether you're taking it very serious and phrasing it well, we really must do everything as much as we can to protect and care for every and you know, even then mm. that's now the this imperative towards not just doing the right thing as was very common in previous forms of of capitalism where the where the imperative is to obey mm-hmm. now the imperative is to enjoy yourself yeah and and metal takes issue with this basically mm-hmm. it says well if we're going to enjoy ourselves where's the where's the where's the grit where's the uh Where's the the rabid glee, I guess, of enjoying too much, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and that's that's what metal uh, does as a kind of historical intervention is introduce um, is introduce darkness back into a system which is now focusing more and more on uh, happiness, love, and light. I, it was interesting when I read your article because you also 
you mentioned it's also it's not just the music itself it's the imagery it's the logos that bands metal bands have it's the language around you know I was thinking like on metal twitter for example you see if someone's someone doesn't write oh I really like this song it's like oh this fucks or this slaps it's like it's just so it's so aggressive and it's like you wouldn't talk about pop music like that you know it's 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 also the imagery like the album art it's just the more gruesome you Mm. know it's yeah, it's like an inversion of, of the sort of mainstream, as as you pointed out. Yeah, and, and I think the, the now, psychologically, I think the interesting thing about metal's emphasis on violence and this, and this symbolic inversion is that metal has, in common parlance, metal has no chill. <laughs> no, Me- metal, metal cannot repress the violence of society and the people that make metal are shocked by the violence of society mm. by in in lots of them are and or they are delighted by it in some of the more performative cases of black metal performers let's say but on the whole they cannot they either they cannot or they refuse to repress this violent content which is actually the stuff of capitalism Right. So so for all of these bands making songs about love, peace and happiness, Woodstock, etc., all of this is undergirded by the fucking war machinery of of the US military industrial complex mm-hmm. and and their conquest for oil all around the world. Yeah. So so and and I think metal musicians cannot overlook that. Yeah. Where where other musicians perhaps are either choosing to not focus on that or defining themselves as somehow, oh, well, that's happening, but I'm not that. Yeah. Even when even when I am the beneficiary of the music system that is actually supported by that by global capitalism. I am not that thing. I am the rebel inside the system. I have this opportunity to. To, to say the right thing. I think of someone like Bob Dylan uh, yeah. as someone like that, right? Uh, now, uh, but Bob Dylan still phrases his critiques of society in a way that is socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And and because metal, be, be, and because metal can't repress um, its violence in the same way, it comes out in socially unacceptable forms. Mm-hmm. So rather than rather than uh, Bob Dylan like Masters of War, which is a very erudite song about uh, about militarism, yeah, you've got you've got War Pigs by Black Sabbath, which is just on the nose, yeah, just just... right right out the <laughs> gate. Generals bad, war bad. There, there's there's kind of there's no um, there's no ambiguity, and most importantly, there's no subtlety to it. Because in your your article focuses on sort of the connection between metal and the occult, mm. um, and the connection between that, and I also feel like, do you feel like that could also be applied to other areas like horror, for example? You know, you see a lot of metal heads; they love horror films. You know, uh, gory games. I think it's. Could you think that the same thing could be applied to that? I think they're directly correlated. Yeah. I think I think they're basically the same um 
they're the same psych they're the same psychic mechanism mm -hmm. or the same or the same rough psychic profile or whatever whatever you want to call it there's something that links those genres and those practices very much and i also would extend that in a slightly more limited way to things like sci-fi mm -hmm. um especially the, the more horrific end of sci-fi certainly um all other fantasy genre fiction um and gothic literature i think also very gets very close to this as well but certain but metal and horror are particularly apt for each other and also horror gaming the which is later development but i think most people still think of horror gaming really as just a subgenre of horror film in uh, in some ways obviously i'm i'm sure loads of gamers are now very upset um <laughs> about that but uh, but but i the way that so many horror games are written is written in the style of a horror movie they use all the tropes of horror movies and so on yeah um, and they're heavily inspired by sort of classic horror uh, cinema yeah. so yeah i think exactly. it's fair to say that but I, but I think they directly they are directly related um yeah. I, I think they because horror film likewise cannot it, or fails to repress mm -hmm. it does not it does not repress it instead it tries to in a in a way it tries to dredge the stuff of nightmares up mm -hmm. and put and sort of drag that into our window of understanding into our conscious and yeah. and, and and broadly i think that's also that's something that metal does too i would agree um there's quite a few studies i remember when i studied psychology at university we i studied um well, I, I did my dissertation was in like uh, uh, circadian rhythms, dreaming, sleep, that kind of stuff. But I did something about dream content as well, and I focused on horror and music. And I remember mm. reading a study that um, people who listen to violent music, play violent video games, watch horror films, their survival reflexes are much. Um, how can I put this more acute? Their stress responses are much more sort of efficient. You're less prone to panic in a stress situation because you've practiced, your brain has practiced these things through sort of passive means of watching a film or playing a game or listening to music. But it's like you've trained your brain in some way to respond to these very quite extreme, often violent graphic things. The way I think about it is that horror and metal are for everybody, but but you need a lot of people need a push mm. one what you said about that psychology paper you were reading is really interesting because but i would counterbalance it with so many of the metalheads i know have mental health problems um are shut-ins are um you know are are poorly socialized so maybe there's a kind of balancing act where these people are actually more prone to stress than perhaps the, the average repressive person, but then train themselves to deal with stress responses better th through violent media. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it because like you said, yeah, a lot of, uh, I think I've I talked about this in one of my previous episodes, a lot of metalheads, I think we have that thing in common with that. We've been through something, some kind of trauma, some kind of something that's really affected us. And we've chosen to listen. We've chosen to have this sort of catharsis of whatever has happened to us through the music we listen to. So mm. we don't have to be angry and, and aggressive all the time. Yeah, a lot of the metalheads I know have got, you know, we're in therapy or we've had something or they're on medication because, yeah, 
Oh, I went to therapy today. Yeah, I, I go to therapy. You know, I, it, it's it's a positive thing, mm. but it, it is a signal of you know we've been through something. And now, I, now, what I what I would add to that is everyone has been through something. This is there, true. that is a universal condition. In mm-hmm. fact, in uh, now in the kind of psychoanalysis that I like reading, mm-hmm. so I, I read a lot of Jacques Lacan, and yeah. one of one of his ideas is that. And, and I think Freud also has this, that basically as soon as you enter into language, as soon as you can speak, that lo- what you lose as you learn to speak is a feeling of oneness, basically. A feeling of connection to other things that is that exists precisely because you can't tell the difference between yourself and another thing. Yeah. And as soon as you can talk, you lose this sense of oneness and frankly, hippies spend their entire lives trying to get that back, <laughs> right? That's what yeah. they. Uh, uh, but but uh, so it's not that all everyone has been through something. Even yeah. if even if you've had the most privileged life imaginable, you can still be alienated, and in fact, you always will be. But the difference with metal is that we acknowledge the trauma. Yeah. If we don't repress it exactly. now if you, you, you it's the it's it, it we choose to pull it out and and work through it a little bit and and yeah. use media uh to catharsize or to inhabit that feeling and let let it kind of really sit with us like a mm-hmm. uh, i think a lot of um uh doom metal especially the the sort of more melancholic funeral sides of things that is about sitting with your bad feeling yeah for for a while so and 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 that's a non repressive approach to trauma and i think that is the separation yeah. between metal fans and others now i know lots of metalheads who also are not particularly emotionally sensitive mm-hmm. but but even when we think of our stereotypical boomer metal dad right yeah. Even even he can't repress, which is why the 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 anger just comes out mm. is just is just on the surface. There's no um, there's no uh, subtlety again to return to it. There's no subtlety and there's no like um, m- there's there's much less masking of how one feels. Yeah. Um, so so even when they're even when metalheads aren't necessarily the most emotionally self-aware, they're still, the feelings are on the surface. The feelings yeah. come through immediately, I think. Metal doesn't do charades in that sense. It doesn't, there's there's less of these social games where mm. the emotions are, where the emotions and the investments of the players are actually somewhat indistinct. Because metal is not subtle, it's almost like everybody's playing with their hands on the table mm-hmm. to, to use a poker. Let, let's use a poker analogy. Yeah. Where, you know, there's no, um, there's much less uh, gamesmanship in metal compared to other, compared to other fandoms where, um, you know, it, other fandoms like indie rock, it's all about subtlety. It's all about how how gracefully one conveys an emotional expression that is really quite complicated, let's say, but you convey it with a few words in a in a lyric that 
that refer to a common phrase or something that is that gets you to understand all of the emotional complexities of that thing mm. but doesn't point but it doesn't point to it directly it leads yeah. you to yeah uh, whereas metal lyrics so many metal lyrics and I, i've spent a uh, uh, last year i part of my phd was analyzing the differences between metal lyrics and non-metal lyrics oh wow um and i i took 85 metal records Mm-hmm. And all, all the lyrics off those, and then I took eighty-five non-metal records and took all the lyrics off them, right. and compared and compared how many how many times each word or short phrase appears. Oh, that's and fascinating. Met- it is pretty. It's called content analysis. It, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I did that a lot. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, and one of the things that one of the things that you find is that metal musicians and writers like talking about objects they like pointing at something and going look it's big and it's scary yeah you know whereas whereas non-metal lyrics are about the subtleties the complexities of interpersonal relationships you made me feel this way i'm maybe i will leave because of this maybe it's that maybe i don't know there's lots of ambiguity and and shades of meaning Mm-hmm. in in non-metal lyrics and they're and lots of them are about talking to each other whereas metal lyrics are much less about talking to each other and much more about describing often a horrifying object <laughs> oh wow that must have taken you a long a long time <laughs> um yeah i'm still doing it actually <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> but uh, that's that's I just amazing. got sorry. I, I just got to the point where I'm making graphs now. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! I remember yeah. doing lots of SPSS analysis at university. So I did all of this on Excel, and then my supervisor told me, "Mate, you should really learn SPSS." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, by that point, I was like, "Well, I've been working on this for like the best part of a year, so." I, I don't think I will now. <laughs> I, had <the> exact... <laughs> I had the exact same thing with my um my tutor. I had all these like graphs and Excel spreadsheets and he was like, this is one month's work. You've got like 11 months left. How many fucking spreadsheets do you want? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know any other way. And he's like, right, go to this class and learn SPSS for your own like sanity. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I've still got this massive folder of all my notes about SPSS and different like the uh, data and stuff. I've still got it on my shelf. <laughs> yeah. I wish, I wish I knew some of that shit because um, I, I had to, I, I, I've been doing this all what is called in academia, sui generis, which mm-hmm. means I pulled it out of my ass. Um, <laughs> um, and and it's been a it's been, in some ways it's been a rough ride but but the findings from that have been utterly fascinating do you mind if i share a couple oh uh, absolutely sort of, so so please do so that uh, one of the things that i found is that metal lyrics are about death and blood and fire and pain and hell those words turn up a lot now that's not very surprising so I don't know why I led with that really, but the but the there were some really surprising findings. 
And I th one of them was the number of words relating to seeing as opposed to saying. Now, this okay. is what I, this is kind of what I was talking about just before. Mm -hmm. Me metal lyrics, often the narrator asks you to behold or look at this thing. Or maybe it's a metaphor about I can see while others are blind or I have been blinded. I can I can no longer see sight looking is very important in metal. And I think that is also to do with how it relates to the world as a series of horrifying objects, mm -hmm. basically. Uh, and, and metal is constantly asking us to gaze upon the thing, behold that thing. Whereas non-metal lyrics, as I said, are about conversations. To quote from a uh, Limp Bizkit, it's all about the he said, she said bullshit in non-metal. <laughs> in you know, it's about it's about talk. Yeah. Whereas whereas Fred Durst can only refer to that derisively in his song, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's to and um, for him, I guess let's let's lean in now. The in break stuff by Limp Bizkit. What is happening there? He's referring to the world as a series of not as a series of social situations where people subjects are interrelating, but actually as a series of stuff what can be broke. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, some other other findings were, and these add to my my hypothesis about how metal relates to philosophy is that there are loads of words about frankly about big philosophical questions that turn up in metal much more than they do in non-metal and these are words like life world um earth um spirit soul oh uh, 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 dreams human law thoughts um minds uh and and lots uh and then some interestingly nietzschean ones as well like will is very very prominent mm -hmm. and maybe that's maybe that reflects a kind of surety of intent you know i will do this i will do that but maybe it's also a nietzschean thing about the the will to power yeah um and also rise which is a very kind of nietzschean idea the sense of a overcoming and and rising above yeah. which is something something um for instance pantera lean very heavily on mm -hmm. is is the idea they, they have a song called rise um and i read a book i i reviewed a book a few years ago uh called heavy by dan franklin it's about various kinds of heaviness and he has a chapter in there where he compares phil anselmo to the nietzschean figure who's someone who has lots of rises and falls you know and 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 often is the person both dragging himself up and then pulling himself down yeah you know when 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 he when he uh did things that were extremely unpleasant that's he that's him sticking the knife in nobody else was doing that to phil that was phil <laughs> yeah. but uh but then at the same time he's also this guy who's like over, who's overcome heroin addiction, put himself through X, Y, and Z. So, 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 so there's a there's a strong kind of th I think there's a very strong Nietzschean theme in metal, and obviously I'm not the first person to say that. Loads of bands have talked about Nietzsche, and um, and there's even an article from 2009 where one of the greats in metal studies, this woman called Dina Weinstein, she writes an article 
about how metal is Nietzschean very much but yeah. it's cool but it's cool to find that also in data that was that was exciting yeah that I'd like to read that article that sounds interesting I'll send it to you oh I would love that thank you studying metal sounds amazing it is it is pretty good um yeah. now the, the, there are some downsides um I had to leverage my privilege to be able to do this very much <laughs> Very much because I because I'm not being funded to right, do okay. this to do this PhD. I so I I'm being supported to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and there are people out there that are doing P other PhDs on metal, and maybe some of them have funding. But I think it would be hard uh, with my kind of project to uh, to to get funding because I'm trying to do something that's very kind of broad. And and to be honest, most funding bodies are not interested in macro projects at this point. Right. Um, that they they want they want real kind of they want focus, and to be honest, they also want something topical. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, if you're going to be doing weird fringe cultural studies that that is you know that isn't prestigious, because yeah. because pe people writing about let's say um, Cleopatra or the or the or the the kings and queens of England. That's always going to get funding. Somebody is going to be. So there's going to be some um, ancient institution or funding body that's going to say yes. We will we will definitely put the money in for that. But metal doesn't have that yet because metal's only fifty three. Who wants to hear about kings and queens like yawn? We know all about them. They're not that interesting. <laughs> well, and if we're going to have kings and queens, I'd rather have them represented through the form of a metal band. 100%. <laughs> right? Like, you know, I, w what would you rather have? Would you rather have actually having to learn about Henry VIII or would you prefer the Rick Wakeman, Henry VIII and his six wives prog rock album from 1973? You know? I mean, I mean there's, no, <laughs> there's no choice. There's no choice. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind. Of, I'm very lucky to be able to study metal in, and mm -hmm. certainly study it in this way. Um, but at the same time, it's it's now a field that has skin in the game. You yeah. know, me, me, metal studies now has a journal. It has a conference. I'm going to the conference this year. Oh, very wow. ex Very exciting. It's in Canada. I've never been to Canada. Oh, that's um, great. I, I hear they have a new way of eating chips, cheese and gravy that I'm going to try over and over again. It's called poutine. I've I've heard of it. I've heard of it. But... I've seen videos. It looks odd, but I, I can imagine it tastes good because the ingredients taste good. Yeah, exactly. And it's just chips, cheese and gravy, which yeah. I've had I've had in I've had in the UK and this one looks better, but I can't tell yet. So we're going to find out. Amazing. But but, yeah, but me metal now has metal now has kind of metal studies even sorry now has its claws in the side of academia properly Wonderful. and that's a good and that and that's a good in some ways that's a very good thing because it means sooner or later maybe in 10 years maybe in 15 years there are going to be undergraduate at least modules on mm -hmm. heavy metal that you will find in lots of universities maybe I, really I i think that's going to be a thing probably within my certainly within my lifetime and probably within like the first 20 years of my career i i, I don't think it's very far off and and that's going to be amazing because mm -hmm. it, on the in in some ways because metal is going to be totally legitimate 
it's spent this genre has spent 50 years being firstly denigrated by journalists yeah. then considered you know then considered um uh you know the instigators of a moral panic and you know they're they're, they're turning your kids into satanists or whatever then it's <laughs> Then, then it's this really, really dark thing in the '90s where it's getting associated with Columbine. But also, there's mm. real murders happening in yeah. the Helvet scene and so on. And now, it's boring. But maybe, <laughs> but maybe metal being boring is the same moment that it also becomes truly respected. For instance, also last year there was um, during one of the proms. They uh, an orchestra briefly played a Slipknot song. I saw that. Yeah, that's so, amazing. And never, and I, you know, imagine the metalheads of the seventies and eighties mm. seeing that. Like it's it's I, I them in that in in the way back when would have never envisaged that. How much of a community there is now? It's not just oh, there's one person in my school who likes metal and they're sort of the outcast black sheep. It's like there's a community, and we talk about it, and it's slowly getting more accepted. Like no, not everyone's gonna like metal. That's fine. It is it is extreme in its nature, but I just I hope that it becomes more. You know, there's not that sort of oh, have you not grown out of it yet? That kind of mentality. Like I still yeah. get that. As a 30-year-old, people still ask me, oh, you still like that? Didn't you like that as a teenager? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because I like it. It's not just a phase for mm. some people. It is an actual love and a passion and a genuine interest. Metal is currently popular, and metal goes in and out of popularity fairly fairly stably. Yeah. Kind of has a, It frequently has a sort of 10 years on, 10 years off kind of thing. And right now it's having its on years. It, yeah. You know, it, it turned up in Stranger Things, and and people know who Metallica are now, and and so on. And um, but at the same time, I think uh, I I think overall, metal is only going to get more and more accepted and more and more brought in. But uh, so and so that means that we have to, you know, we have to take the question to the people that do think metal is this kind of fully. Neg fully negative, fully antagonistic force, you have to go to them and say, well, this, your position really isn't holding up very well anymore, you know? And, yeah. and, and, and that means that we have to reconsider, if we, if we do that, we have to reconsider what metal is actually about. Because mm -hmm. that means metal can't be this pure negativity, this utter destructive force, right? We have to characterize it, I think, more as as I try to do in the article that, that you've read, which is metal is a contradiction inside the system. Yeah. Me metal is the point where the where the orders break where, where order breaks down, but within the order. Yeah. Basically. It's not it's not a radical outside force that emerges out of you know, hellfire and pure hatred in the dead of night or whatever, lovely as though that may be, <laughs> it it emerges from the very stuff of normality. And that means that it's not, that means we have, it's more like a contradiction within, and, and as metal gets more and more legitimated and more accepted, it will maintain this contradictory position, even though it loses its 
um, its veneer of radical negativity. Well, um, I've enjoyed talking to you very, very much. And I, like I said, I, I implore people when your article actually does get released, I don't know when that's going to be, to, to read it and to follow you on Twitter. What's your mm-hmm. handle on Twitter? My, my handle on Twitter and also on YouTube is mm-hmm. metal underscore analysis, metal analysis. Right, well, um, go and check out, go and check out because I, it's, uh, all this stuff you talked about is just like a fraction of what you do and it's fascinating. And your article, which I have read, like I've said, was, um, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a metal nerd. So when people really go into depth with it, I really enjoy reading about it. Um, um but thank you very much for talking. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to play a little game just to yeah, end please. the episode. Well, th- um, firstly, firstly a... thank you very much for having me. But yes, please. Absolutely. Oh, you're What's very welcome. Um, but yeah, I play this game with all of my guests, all the musicians, friends, family members I've had on here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a game called Gift or Curse. So I'm going to name five things that just are in the world. And you yes. have to uh, rationalize or just say if you think that this thing is a gift for the world or a curse upon the world. Oh, you're going to get some odd answers from me, given what we were just talking about. But let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so I pick five just random things. It's different. I have one, one recurring one, which I ask everybody, which gets some very interesting answers. Good. But that'll be number five. So number one. Um, something quite relevant in metal uh, at the minute is um, merch cuts at venues, the percentages they take. Gift or curse? Oh, oh well, yeah, I am partisan. That's undeniably a curse for metal musicians, isn't it? Now, no, I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. horrendous. It, it, you can't see much of a gift in there. It's just horrendous capital exploitation. <laughs> I would 100% agree with that. I, I think I was talking to my friend the other day. I think I used the word abhorrent um so yeah i would have to yeah that them. shit that shit fucking sucks like mm-hmm. I, have you seen you've seen the prices everyone's seen the gajira prices from earlier this year it's like yeah. it's really bad uh, i remember I, I went to i went to see Tulum uh last year and it was at the big o2 venue the what used to be the mm-hmm. millennium dome in london and it was fucking like 65 quid for a hoodie Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. It was it was very very annoying that the whole the whole modern experience of going to a big arena gig is mm. very annoying. Yeah. But the, and the prices are just taking the piss at this point. Definitely, oh, definitely yeah. a curse. So number two, something <laughs> which also divides opinion: pineapple on pizza, gift or curse? Uh, I don't know. Uh abstain i don't care <laughs> i think i think i think it's probably it's probably a gift for you know it's a gift for the people that like it it's a cur- <laughs> it's a curse it's also a curse for the people who like it let me explain why it's uh, the for the people who like it it's an eternal curse because they constantly have to suffer the non pineapple on pizza crowd you know this is the contradiction right they have to in order to affirm you have to set yourself up in relation to what you are not. Mm-hmm. And so and so all these, all the people who are like, oh, I don't like pineapple on pizza, they feel the need to get up in the business of people who do like it and vice versa. So I think it's 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 a gift and a curse. I am 100% one of those people. I do, <laughs> if you put fruit near my pizza, I will murder you. So right. I, I find that one of my friends eats, he puts pineapple on his pizza and I, I rip the shit out of him every single time. And I will I mean, continue got, to do I so until I die. 
Good. Now I have a horrible take, which is that I don't. Th- I think pizza's actually kind of overrated. That's also fair enough. I mean, that it, in it's, itself is controversial. <laughs> I think. I think it's. It's like it's all right. Like if I wanted to eat it, the, the thing, the way I tend to think about fast food is um, how much protein can I buy for X amount of money. Um, and for that reason, kebab always wins. Kebab destroys other forms oh, of fast food. Oh, I mean, food. if you're talking protein ratios, absolutely. That's, that's... KFC, I guess. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but pizza, to me, like I see it, it's like, this is just a very fancy toasty that you're presenting to me. <laughs> I mean, it's very nice, but... I, I, wow, I, I... you've got a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> now, now... I think that's probably me just being very biased about bad takeaway pizza because when you go to Italy and you get it proper thin, that's a different world. Oh, I can that's imagine. A, that's a different. That's a different yeah. world when you when it's when it's really really thin and you picked the vegetables that morning. Then yeah, pizza. That's... Then pizza's top shit. Like, fine. like I'm thinking like greasy <laughs> like Domino's. Like you can wring the oil out of it. That. Kind oh, of... oh, mate, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you abstain from that one. <laughs> number three outdoor music festivals gift or curse hmm that's a really good one because in i think a lot of people that attend outdoor music festivals are not doing it because they want to camp for three nights and walk around a lot and get their feet hurt they're doing it because it's the best value way of catching about 50 bands or in one go yeah you know like it's like bulk but, buying yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's like going to Costco. Yeah. That's exactly it's it's very similar. And and for like, but on the other hand, there's something just wonderful about the watching music in the open air. There is something lovely about that. Like the, the there's no um even though you're still enframed, you know, you still know that you're watching a concert and and you still act like a crowd. You know, as it as if you, as if you were in a room, by and large. But there is something, there is something lovely. I think, especially even well, actually, even when the weather's shit, there is something kind of wonderful about hearing very very loud music out in the open air and and feeling the scale of the thing as the sound travels for hundreds of meters. Maybe there, there is something, there is something lovely about that. That's fair enough. I mean, for me personally, like a one day outdoor concert, I, I that's amazing. Like you said, the mm. outdoor experience, especially like in the evening when like it's just the, it's quite romantic in a way, isn't it? Very much. Yeah. A three day festival where I cannot like pee on a proper toilet or have a shower or just be a human. Not going to happen. I'm way too much of a princess. Um <laughs> I'm very willing to suck it up and not wash for three days. I like I like being clean. Don't get me wrong, but like, <laughs> uh, like I I do. I, <laughs> I I promise. But um, but but uh, it, but I but you suck it up for the three days. But I also think, and this is kind of crucial, especially to metal festivals. There is a lot of fun in being filthy for a few days and just the the gay the the gay abandon of it all. Yeah. You know, like um uh, and. Now, when I went to, I think that kind of sort of reckless disregard 
is wonderfully played out in metal festivals because of all the stupid games that get played. Mm. Like, uh, uh, do you know? Do you know about Bloodstock and the various games that get played at Bloodstock? I've heard a few uh, yeah, stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they have a kind of a wonderful sort of violent Olympics that happens mm. every year, and that doesn't happen anywhere else. It's not happening and- at Coachella, is it? No, and 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 in a way, I think that's because people lean into, oh yeah, we're gonna be, we're gonna do anything we want. So I, I remember this is perhaps one of the funniest things that has ever that I've ever witnessed. I've got so I was at Bloodstock. The I've got these friends. They're drinking um, a horrible cocktail out of yard glasses. You know, the yard glasses oh, are really, yeah. these really long things, right? Mm-hmm. And they can hold more than a liter, and. No, more than more than two liters, I think. And they're ch- they're chugging through this disgusting cocktail called Lucasade Port. One bottle of port, one bottle of Lucasade, right? Oh wow! Yeah, really bad. So so they're drinking all that, and then it's time for lunch. And one of them gets out this chili in a can, chili con carne in a can that he had purchased at Vacan three years previously. Oh. And and before before I quite know what I'm doing, I'm suddenly shouting at my mate, and, and one of my other friends joins it, gets it at the exact same moment. We start shouting, "Yard of chili, yard of chili!" <laughs> oh no! And he and he <laughs> opens the can, and the chili goes in the yard glass, and suddenly, all nearly twenty of us that were at the camp had a sip everyone participated pretty much and at one point the guy whose can it was he turns to me and he says this is what it's all about him referring to the metal festival this is what it's all about total freedom (laughs) and 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 i think that is the the thing about open air music festivals is that it is total freedom but at the same time you are impoverished (laughs) in that act of total freedom that's gonna that story if that does not make it into my thesis i will be so so upset number four on my list crocs gift or curse Uh, oh so i own crocs right Mm -hmm. i've got i've got a pair um i think now fashion uh, crocs being worn as fashionable shoes which is currently happening for the second time in my life um (laughs) Because I remember the first time, and it was pretty bad in 2009 when it was happening then. Mm. Now it's happening again. But this time, have you noticed that the Crocs are chunkier? They've got like a platform. Some you, they, they now do platform Crocs. Oh wow! Basically, that you could. So they, they there's some options there. Um, they're still the fucking ugliest commercially available shoe. Like I, I maybe the only thing worse are those um uh well Ugg boots are pretty bad. I'm not not very keen on them. Um I don't like uh most yeah, they're they're pretty bad. But they're they're, they're, they're aesthetically terrible. Yeah. Practic practically um extremely good. I do uh, get gift, the practical gift value cur- of them. Gift or curse though, obviously a curse because they're you know just a another plastic piece of crap 
Um, yeah, that's true. I, 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 you know, you know what would be better um, if every town everywhere had a clogs making workshop and everybody oh, yeah. had clogs. Yeah, that's very true. That would be that would be cool. I, I definitely think they're a curse. They're yeah. hideous. They I, are hideous. I, I don't own any. I don't want to own any. I understand people that do own them. They're practical. Blah blah blah. Just, just the worst. Mm. <laughs> have, you, have you seen the band Undeath? Have you seen they've got some merch with Crocs on because the singer he loves Crocs. And and this I think is another. This is also interesting, right? Like. Now, bands have to be do a lot of gimmicking now, you know? Mm. You know? It's a big part of, of being a band that's coming up is that you have to do social media bullshit. Yeah. And, and you know, the guy likes Crocs. That's going to that's gonna set them apart in some way, you know? They can be the band that's like, look, we'll do you a Croc pin. Nobody else is doing a Croc pin. They do sell uh, them, I think. I mean, this, this, uh, and that's really interesting for me because I, one of the things I've noticed across my studies is how there's now a metal merchandise version of basically every item in existence. Mm -hmm. um, last year, I saw Belfagor selling a hot sauce at a gig. <laughs> um, oh, I've uh, noticed this trend of extreme metal bands making coffee. Yeah, there's coffees. Have now. you seen that? Like Cannibal Corpse have some. Wow. Possessed make some. They also have hot sauce. Like they're just mm -hmm. it's, they're so branching they, out into like cookery. It's like, amazing. Yeah, and then last year I also found out about Liquid Death, which is a mm. metal themed canned water brand. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I think. Uh, and and it's it's uh, well, and this is this is kind of it's some for me these new commodities really sum up everything that we've been talking about before the contradiction of metal and and the society that surrounds it but also yeah. the way that metal is becoming increasingly accepted absolutely yeah so now us... we've got to number five which is one that i ask everyone <laughs> and this has um the answer is very wildly depending mm -hmm. on the gender of the person i'm asking mm -hmm. um and their sexual orientation mm -hmm. so number five flavored condoms gift or curse wow <laughs> wow that's an, an uh that's the most thought-provoking question i've been asked all day yeah um i'm honest flavored, I, now i'm gonna say gift for a multitude of reasons actually the first thing is that you can blow just like ordinary condoms you can blow them up into real big balloons or water balloons and then drop them so that's good um but Unlike with a regular condom, with a flavoured condom, when you pull it up through your nose and pull it down into your mouth via the sinuses, you get that strawberry flavouring. So that's very nice. So I think overall they're a gift. Um... <laughs> wow. Now... Uh... Now there are some there might be some people out there that think flavored condoms are a curse, and I think you know maybe there just need to be more flavors. Maybe you haven't found the right one yet. you know yeah. I've also had this discussion with my previous guests. You can get bacon flavored ones. We're getting close that's good. We're getting closer. But what I'm thinking about is maybe a kind of lobster thermidor or perhaps a sort of stroganoff. 
Um, maybe maybe uh, a booyah bass, a fish soup uh, condom might be nice. Um, but certainly we need to kind of expand the market of flavors because I think that's probably where people are getting lost. You know, if they find it's a curse, it's probably because they haven't got the right flavor. And maybe it's because their sinuses aren't big enough and it's getting stuck while they try to get it through their nose and into their mouth. Personally, I have very big sinuses, so I've never really had any problem with that. <laughs> I'm actually crying. <laughs> Um. Oh wow! See, <laughs> I'm imagining, I'm imagining like a date situation, and you're just like, so I have lobster fermentor. <laughs> well, you get them out. You're like, well, you know, here's you, you know starter main dessert. What are you thinking? That's amazing. You know? So, so you're thinking there should be more variety, like a menu. I'm thinking I'm thinking there should be a menu that's at least as complex as your average Chinese restaurant. Oh wow. I'm saying I'm saying maybe 200 to 300 different flavors of condom so that we can cater to every particular taste and get what we all want which is more people tasting their own condoms. <laughs> because I think especially if the men tasted the condoms maybe they you know maybe they'd learn about the, what the other perspective is, and then we could all understand each other a little better. Um, and, but you know, the men, they like meat, they don't really like strawberries, I've heard. So you need to you need to give them a flavor that they'll kind of resonate with, maybe a sort of a beans on toast, actually. That's, that, that like is a real, that's a nasty ass flavor to, <laughs> to imagine on a condom, to be fair. Oh, beans. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know that tabasco make condoms i don't know if they're joke condoms fucking hell yes yeah. imagine got... putting that on the wrong way by accident well i th imagine, imagine imagine receiving imagine, so... imagine being the oh no no uh, see my my personal opinion as as a female who is um heterosexual mm. Fuck no, they should be booted into space and removed from as just everything they're okay. Sure. I, I think that's uh, entirely fair, but I should put it to you. Have you considered that maybe it's because you haven't found the right flavor yet? This is <laughs> this is a valid point. And the second that my boyfriend buys uh like a whole menu of this stuff, I will be willing to try. Because maybe I've... it's just my my tastes I have not been expanded enough, clearly. Well that well that's really good because I am planning on starting that company as soon as we finish this call. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I would like to be a shareholder slash investor. <laughs> <laughs> so we can out compete like out compete Tabasco. <laughs> well, it's, it's Tabasco first, then Jurex. Yes. And then and then uh, and then after that. Um, maybe we sort of take on the restaurant business as well. Like, you know, maybe get people eating condoms, not just wearing them. I feel like there's a lot of kind of missed applications for this object. Um, <laughs> if, if anyone has any uh, suggestions on what to do with this, please at me, at Metal Analysis on Twitter, please let me know what would you do to make flavoured condoms more popular? Please let and, me know. And please tag me in that at Death Metal Mum because I absolutely want to hear this. 
Well, thank you very much for joining me. It's been fascinating. I've learned a lot. I'm going to read the article you've sent me. And um, that is probably my favorite answer to the flavored condoms question that I've ever had. So thank you oh, very much. Well, well, you're welcome. And also, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure kind of going over some of uh, the things that I do and, and hearing your perspective on it as well. Thanks very much. Yeah, well, thank you. And I hope you have a good night. You too. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye.